Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation. And check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back. George Norrie with you. Michael Cremo back with us. His websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. We're talking a little bit about Vedic cosmology right now. And these Vamanas, these flying machines, Michael, uh, you were just about to tell us about the correlation between them and UFOs. What's happening? Yeah, well, you were asking, well, what what happened? To Where'd these, they go? The, you know, it appears they're they're still around because a lot of the descriptions given by modern UFO researchers and extraterrestrial researchers match up with what these ancient Sanskrit writings were telling us about what was going on millions of years ago. So you've got these two separate sources of evidence that are both independently pointing to the same phenomena, and I think that adds credibility to the phenomenon. As I was mentioning, uh, when I went to South Africa to speak at the Ubuntu Fest, I met a UFO researcher, Robert Salas, a really interesting man. He's been a great guest on the program, yeah, too. Yeah, he, he went to the Air Force Academy. He was he served for seven years in the United States Air Force. Uh, for some of that time, he was commander of some ICBM missiles with nuclear-tipped warheads at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana. Yeah, and UFOs shut them down. Right. It was uh, you know, absolutely amazing. And he, he, he said his security people were looking up at the sky and they were seeing lights moving around in ways that were just physically impossible for... Uh, any kind of aircraft that we know to make these kinds of maneuvers, things like that. So there are the descriptions of uh, Vimanas in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India that, that match that kind of aeronautical behavior. There's a description of the Vimana that was acquired by a king named Shalva thousands and thousands of years ago. And he got it from an extraterrestrial source, uh, from the engineer of the forces of darkness in the universe. And he used this Vimana to attack the city of Dwarka at that time in India. And the people who were defending the city, the forces that were defending the city, said they saw it moving around like a butterfly. In other words, making all kinds of zigzags, and it was appearing here and there in many different places simultaneously. This is just the sort of thing that's reported by modern UFO Mm -hmm. researchers. So it's interesting that there are such parallels between what modern UFO researchers are reporting and the descriptions that we find of such things. 
in these very ancient writings from India. Michael, when Robert Oppenheimer and his team were building the atomic bomb, he cited ancient texts which depicted what one could construe to be a nuclear war. Yes, he was uh, reciting some passages from the Bhagavad Gita and the Mahabharata. In addition to being a great physicist, he was also a student of the ancient Sanskrit writings of India. And these writings contain descriptions of a weapon called a brahmastra, which, when it's used, it, it's described as, as if you had thousands of suns all concentrated in one place. In other words, extreme heat, extreme radiation, extreme light. And so when he was, you know, Oppenheimer was asked, what were you thinking about when you saw the first atomic bomb tested at Alamogordo in New Mexico in 1945. He said, I don't know what others were thinking, but I was thinking of what, what I read in these ancient Sanskrit writings about a thousand suns, uh, a huge energy being like the force of time destroying everything in its path. Uh, he, he was remembering these kinds of descriptions pretty amazing. It sure is. Let's talk a little bit about a geologic uh, period which was almost 500 million years ago on a planet that's 4.5 billion years old, the Solarian Hypothesis. What is that? That's something that was published earlier this year by a couple of uh, astrophysicists. One of them's name was Adam Frank, and he had this idea, what if on planets in other solar systems, in other galaxies, there had been millions of years ago advanced technological civilizations? And we say that because, you know, the light coming from these distant galaxies takes millions of years to get here. So whatever we're perceiving now in our telescopes reflects things that happened millions and millions of years ago. So he was proposing if there were technological civilizations millions of years ago on these planets and other galaxies, how, how would we detect any evidence for them? And he was discussing this with another scientist named Gavin Schmidt, who works for NASA. And Gavin Schmidt told him, why are you talking about other planets? Maybe we're not the first civilization that has existed on this planet. Maybe millions and millions of years ago, there were advanced civilizations on this planet, Earth. So how would we detect evidence for them. So they called this the Silurian hypothesis because they were thinking about a British science fiction television series called Doctor Who. Mm. And in one of the episodes of that series, you know, some scientists were working on a nuclear reactor and they had some problems and they wound up 
creating a situation where they disturbed a sleeping race of reptiles deep in the layers of the earth of highly intelligent reptilian creatures who had an advanced technological civilization during the Silurian period, which is about between 400 and 450 million years ago. So I thought it was interesting that these scientists were talking about this. They called this the Silurian hypothesis. Of course, that's what my whole forbidden archaeology project is about. Exactly. Evidence for extreme human antiquity. I mean, I I tell people, Michael, about you... who, you know, talk about the civilizations being 100,000 years old or 200,000 years old, and I say, what about 100 million years old? Do you ever hear hear of Michael Cremo on my show? And they went, oh, yeah, that's right. It's it's difficult for them to comprehend this. Yeah. Now, these particular scientists, you know, they think if there was an advanced technological civilization on Earth during the Silurian period, for example, uh, 400 or more million years ago. It couldn't have been humans, according to their way of thinking. Uh I don't agree with them. You think it could be human? Yeah, they think it had to be some other species, intelligent reptilian creatures, for example, who later went extinct. But I don't see any reason why it couldn't have been humans like us. And there are actually, there's actually some evidence for that. You know, there was a case I was investigating. It was a report from Scientific American from the year 1880, and it tells of uh, a Dr. R.W. Booth, who was engaged in iron mining, operations in Franklin County in Missouri near a place called Dry Branch. And he went down 18 feet in some Silurian deposits and found human bones. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, this so-called Silurian hypothesis that these astrophysicists have proposed, you know, that maybe there was some advanced technological civilization hundreds of millions of years ago on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that if they, if they had buildings and structures over 500 million years ago, they would have demolished and decayed and they would have been rubble and dust, right? That's part of the hypothesis. They say it would be very difficult to detect because fossilization of bone is very rare, and preservation of cultural artifacts is also not to be expected from about 400 million years ago. If there is any such evidence, it should be very, very rare. And that's what I did find in my forbidden archaeology research. There is evidence for extreme human antiquity, evidence that humans like us have existed for tens of millions, even hundreds of millions of years on Earth. But as you go further and further back in time, it gets scarcer and scarcer. It's still there, but it's very rare and difficult to detect. Now, they were proposing we might start looking for synthetic chemicals 
you know, we, we make a lot of artificial kinds of chemicals that persist for a long time in the Earth's environment, plastics and things like that, and radiation from nuclear wars that can last for a long time, millions and millions of years. So they were suggesting that uh, we should start looking for things like that, which is something I've also been proposing for a while. But you don't rule out the possibility that also intelligent life has come here from another planet. I don't rule that out. As a matter of fact, that's why I think we're here. I think we're all extraterrestrials in that, planted? In that sense. We've been planted here because... It depends upon understanding what we really are. I would say we're not these machines made of molecules that we call our bodies. We're actually the conscious self that's using that body as a vehicle. And that conscious self isn't produced by chemicals. It's not produced by matter. It has its own independent existence. It comes from some higher level of reality, and it gets introduced into the world of matter, becomes covered by it. So in that sense, I say we're all extraterrestrials. Michael, None of us are from here. where are we headed as a people? What's the future hold for us? That depends upon the decisions that we make individually and collectively in our lives as human beings. There's basically, you could always say, there's always been two basic kind of divisions. There are those who, trying to, who are trying to understand, yes, I'm a being of pure consciousness. You're a being of pure consciousness. We're all beings of pure consciousness. We shouldn't be dividing ourselves up into so many different competing, conflicting groups on the basis of race, gender, nationality, religion, and so on. We're all beings of pure consciousness. And then there are those who are saying, no, we're just machines made of matter uh, to produce and consume more and more material things in competition with each other for survival, economic survival, military so survival. That, that's the real goal of life. Uh, it, it all depends upon what side of that division we put ourselves on. If you've got most of the people agreeing to identify as machines made of matter in competition with each other, for survival, you're going to get a world pretty much like the one we see around us. If more people come to the point of understanding we're all beings of pure consciousness, we should try to satisfy our material needs in the most simple, natural, efficient, fair way possible while putting most of our human energy into developing that resource of consciousness, we'll have a different kind of world. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.